So if you will, please turn to Daniel 6. Turn to Daniel 6. And this morning, you know, I show you this video of this man walking with lions. That's the title of our sermon today, is Walking with the Lions. And I just want to encourage you that with uh, Kevin, if you, if, you, if you Google his name, it's kind of funny because... You, you know how you get the suggested things as you start typing it out? It provides suggested things. And as you put Kevin's name in, you know, the Lion Whisperer, Kevin Richardson, you don't get all the way through it until it says, Lion Whisperer, Kevin Richardson is dead. And I'm like, what? I don't want to show that. If, and I click on it and it's like, no, he's not dead. But because of what he does, people have already put it out there, like predictive reporting that this guy is not going to make it doing what he's doing. How many of you remember the guy that did this with bears a few years ago? You know, there's, there's an, that's enthralling, isn't it? Now, here's what you don't know. Here's the other part of the story, is that those lions, he raised his cubs. So he's not just walking into the wide open savanna and just going, you know, whatever lion talk that was. And, and here comes a lion. Hey, how you doing, guy in the suit? Um, he, I think he faked him out wearing a suit. That's the moral of the story. Wear a suit. In, in the, uh, out on safari and you won't get eaten. Um, but the reality is, he had a relationship with those lions ahead of time. We're talking today about someone who had no relationship with lions. Nor did he really want one. But you know, here's what's fascinating for you and I. Is this morning, obviously there's a meaning in this title, Walking with the Lions. And for you and I, just like Daniel... Sometimes we have to walk with the lions and we never asked for it. How do you do that? How do you do that? And so let's ask the Lord to guide our thoughts and guide our minds as we, as we look into His Word this morning with a very famous story that I think is going to provide a whole new understanding as to why God does what God does. And how does that relate to you and I? All right, let's pray. Father, give us insight through your spirit and your word this morning. Speak to our hearts, inspire us, give us the encouragement that we need. Be with us. Thank you, Lord God. To your glory. Amen. Well, I'm going to give you a statement. And this is what I want you to walk away with today using, you know, specific words. Walk with Jesus, and you can walk with the lions. Walk with the world, and you're going to dine with the lions. Alright? And, and that will unfurl itself, that will reveal itself as we get into the Word this morning. Our first point today is the pride of the pride. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Let me give you a little background history here. There's some new people in the room. We've been working through the book of Daniel. There seems to be a pattern. And that is kings from Babylonia and Mesopotamia needs some kind of mysterious and supernatural introduction to Daniel's God. And they have a little bit of a challenge getting it the first time. Uh, so we're going to see that again today. Now what's happened is Babylon is over. The great, uh, all-powerful dynasty of Babylon has just ceased to exist. It was predicted all the way back in chapter 2. Uh, Daniel reveals this dream to Nebuchadnezzar. And what does he say? He says, you know, here's this statue. You are the head of gold. And the next one is Persia. 
And this happens even within the book of Daniel, the realization of the prophecy. It happened last chapter with a king named Belshazzar. And it came swift, and it came quick, and it's over now. Now, some of you know about Cyrus, King Cyrus of of Persia. It's underneath Cyrus that this captivity happens, uh, where Babylon falls. But it's not Cyrus who fights the battle. It's his general, Darius. So if you're looking in histories, you're not going to see King Darius listed in Persian history. But he was named king of Babylon because he won that battle. Does that make sense? It was kind of a reward system. As a matter of fact, when, and this is what history does tell us outside of the biblical story, is that when Darius was fighting this battle, Cyrus was not there because he was fighting a campaign north of Babylon. So now he's won. He won swiftly. He won with great keen understanding of Babylonian culture of getting schnockered. And uh, we'll just take them over when they're not all there. And it worked really good. It was a great plan. Kind of like watching the Warrior game yesterday. Um, sorry, couldn't, couldn't help myself. Let me clarify. Not that I was schnockered. Let me just clarify. I intimated that the team was playing as if, okay... Let's move on to lions again. So Darius is now named prefect or king over Babylon. This is who Daniel's dealing with. So a king comes in and he's got to stabilize the kingdom. So that's where we pick it up. Verse 1, 1 through 5. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one. To whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of God. So now you understand the basis of where this story jumps off. How do we get there? Number one, the pride of the pride. Daniel was distinguished because of the excellent spirit within him. He was the pride of the pride. There was something about Daniel, and we know what it is. It's the issue of his resolve to be committed to his God. He was God's spokesperson. And it showed through to the surrounding uh, 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 viziers, uh, officials, those in power. And it didn't matter if it was the Babylonian king. Now you have the Persian king come in and he recognizes the same thing. And jealousy ensues again. But what I want you to take note of right now is that he was the pride of the pride because of the excellent spirit within him. Is that who you are as a believer of Jesus Christ? We're going to talk this morning a little bit about walking with lions. Who are those lions in our culture? And I keep reading more and more... uh, there is a, there's a sense by Christian leaders across our nation that the church has remained silent on cultural issues because it's a little too dangerous to talk about those things. 
And so the challenge is this. They say we can't remain silent anymore. That the lions are coming after us. And the church will have to decide to stand up and face the lions. And so this morning for us, just even on that level, wouldn't it be nice if we never had to argue a point? If we never had to debate something. But just because of the excellent spirit within us. The culture would see God. What a beautiful idea. Secondly, Daniel's integrity is the first line of defense. Did you catch that? His integrity is the first line of defense. These guys want to take him down. They don't like him very much. They just went through this. You know, the Babylonian guys just went through this. And it didn't fare very well. Now the Persian guys come in and they're appointed and here they have this exile, this Jew that's named over them as well. And they probably knew the history with Daniel. They're saying, we're not going to go this route. And now the pride of the pride is their downfall. You see that? See how that works? That was kind of tricky. You get it? Daniel is the pride of the pride, but now the pride of all the leaders, all the satraps that were appointed says... We're going to find something to nail this guy on. And what happened? They found nothing. They found nothing. His integrity was whole. And so now, they've got to get a new plan. They don't honor the integrity. They're not so impressed by the integrity. They see the integrity as a threat to them. And that's an amazing part of what we have to walk through as well. Our work, our attitude and dedication should reflect Christ. It matters. It matters. You see, Daniel didn't just end up in a lion's den and God worked on his behalf. What you're going to see in this story is that because of Daniel's integrity, he's found blameless. Because of all the work he did back here, because of his consistency, because of his resolve, because of his godly courage that he received on a daily basis, because of his commitment to prayer, that when the lions came, he was able to stand. For us, our work, our attitude, our dedication should reflect Christ because it's going to matter. Amen? It's going to matter. They will hate us because they hate Christ. Turn to John 17 with me, if you will. And in John 17, we see uh, this expression um, by Christ about how the world views us and try to connect this idea this morning with the idea of the lions coming after us. Uh, the idea that Daniel was hated. He was hated by the satraps. He was hated by the Persians. He was hated by the leadership. They were jealous. How many of you remember when you were a kid? Let's just go to those junior high years because we can all relate that those were just golden years, right? Let's go to those junior high years. You remember the kid that set the bell curve? No? Uh, first first service was on this you guys are completely expressionless bell curve is you know when the teacher says there's no like you know 90 to 100 is an a 80 to, it's whoever gets the highest score it's all predicate now it's starting to go now it's starting to click for you right how many of us hated that person that set the bell curve now what's funny is i can read your eyes some of you were that person you're like, you're like shrinking in your chair. You're like, hey, I can feel the pressure of the lions right now. 
right? So we can kind of relate in different circumstances with this, that, that when somebody's so good, they make us look bad. I always try to tell my kids, hey, you guys got a lot going for you. You got a lot going for you. Just stay consistent. Just stay steady. Just stay strong in the Lord and you're going to shine. And you're going to be fine in your employment, in your jobs, in your relationships. But you have to stay consistent and stay steady. But if you do, the world's going to hate you. Let's look at what Jesus said. Let's connect this to, to Christ. John seventeen fourteen. And this is the Lord's uh, time, maybe in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's coming out of, uh, we believe, uh, the, the, the uh, gathering in the upper room. Um, it is His prayer to His Father just prior to the cross. And this is what He prays for. He starts praying for His disciples. He starts praying for you and I. And this is what He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. But then he goes on and he says, but don't take them out of the world. Why? You're going to find out in this story of Daniel. Let's get back to it. And John 15, 18 is kind of the same thing where he says, you know, they hated me, so they're going to hate you. All right, let's keep going. So if Daniel's the pride of the pride... And then the next thing that we see is that it's because of the pride of the pride that Daniel now faces a trap. And the trap is set. The trap is constituted by the, and I, I never noticed this before, I'm, I'm going to say it now, the sat traps. Isn't that crazy how that works? Yeah, I just noticed that. It's just germane to their nature, I guess. I don't know. But they, they can't get them. They can't get them on who he is, so they're going to set a trap. My friends, relate to this in your world. See if you can't understand this. See if you can't see this. And, and I'll try to tie it in in a little bit. Verse 6 through 15. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever! All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Why would he sign something like that? He's a new king. He comes in. He's got to unify the kingdom. He's got disgruntled Babylonians, right? They're unhappy. He's got uh, all these Jews that are captive and they're unsure of what's going on and who's the new guy. Can you relate to this? You know, you think about a boss, a new boss that comes in, a new coach that comes in, right? Dave and Rachel, they're going to bring a new child into their house and that child's going to have to learn about Dave and Rachel and how they say, hey, this is how the kingdom of Bedros will rule. Have you guys talked in those terms? You should, really. So these satraps are pretty wise. They know he's looking for a way, so that's how they pull it off. King, listen, we got this great idea. This will unify the whole country. Just make it so 30 days, it's all about you. All right, let's... 
Let's let everybody, I mean, we'll come back to it. You know, in 30 days, we'll come back to it. Everybody can go back to what they do. But for 30 days, it's all about you. And, and just sign into law, because if it's law, then, you know, everybody's got to unify. Hey, that sounds like a great idea. Can I just tell you, beware of the trap. Beware of the trap. This happens all the time, friends. I shared briefly with you last week after the Walk for Life that there's a, a, a state assembly bill AB7-something. We're going to send an email out to you so you're more familiar with it. But I was informed by, uh, by Blaine, the executive director of Options for Women, that she was in Sacramento uh, with 70 other executive directors of licensed, medically licensed pregnancy centers across the state of California um, because there's a trap. There is a trap. And so what happened by an organization named Nefla or Nerfla or something like that is that they went searching for bait, just like these sat traps did. They went searching for bait. And you know what? People are people. And, and there's going to be something that shines poorly somewhere. And they found two centers out of a... It's over a hundred. Two centers that are medically licensed that just were doing some bad counsel and bad advice. And so they predicated, see, here's the motivation now, right? They brought in these two bad examples versus the hundreds that we have that are operating well and are compassionate and are good and are comforting. And so they use these two examples to manipulate our assemblymen. And they say, hey, here's a law so that this can never happen again. And what they write into the law under the auspices of compassion and, and, and um, kind of an egalitarian level of, of fairness is that any lic- medically licensed pregnancy center will now have to put up a placard suggesting the option of abortion in their very center. The very thing that they're trying to minister. Um, you see the trap? And our, our assemblymen are falling for it. They're falling for it. My friends, I don't think that we live in a day and age where women and men know that abortion is an option. And if it had been presented that way right away, hey, I think we need to let every organization that's out there trying to help women and come alongside women and help women with choice... I think we really need to help them and force them to promote abortion. I don't think it would fly if it was presented that way. But isn't it funny how we have an energy bill, right? You ever heard of this stuff happening that gives us great faith in our government? There's a great energy bill that's promoted, and yet somewhere in there is something where the senator's entire family gets like land rights to all the oil properties or something. I don't know. You're like, how did that happen? Because nobody paid attention. Nobody paid attention. My friends, there is an effort by people out there to set traps. And we have to be aware of it. Let's look at this this morning. Bad policy, or beware of bad policy. Lies, laws, and liabilities. You know, my, my children will come to me every once in a while. I can say this because they're not in here. Dylan's not in here, right? Okay. Now you're all like, what is he going to say? It's not that bad. Um, but, you know, they'll come up and they'll, they'll be like, Dad, 
Losing some weight, big guy. Looking good. All right. Hey, handsome man. How you doing? Can I, uh, what, do, what do you need? What do you need? You, you need something from the fridge, Dad? Uh, you know. Hey, let me, let me just get that for you. You need me to, you know, clean up the backyard, build a chicken coop, you know, whatever, pick up the dog poo with my bare hands. You got it. I'm your person. Hey, do you need me to go to the store and get you something? Like, why don't I get you some of that health food you're eating? You know, Doritos and Twinkies. I'll go get those for you, Dad. And uh, why don't you just give me some money? I'll go get that for you. And the next thing I know, um, it turns into a Starbucks run. turns into a sporting goods store run. turns into all... And I'm not saying they didn't want to do those things for me. But it gives... Op- By the way, I'm completely making all this up. But, but you guys get the point. You get the point that we do it too. We do it too. When we know that there's no other way around it, but we want what we want, we will set a trap. That's not how you walk with lions. When it comes to that point, pay attention to the very last point today. So beware of bad policy. Integrity stands in the face of fear and intimidation. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians 6. And this is crucial, crucial stuff this morning to share with you. This is how we do it. Alright? Now some of you have the tune going through your head. Integrity stands in the face of fear and intimidation. How do we stand? How do we walk with lines? When there is a trap that is set, do we alter what we are doing? Do we alter what we're called to? Do we change it? And if we change it, what's at stake? Well, when we look at the the life of Daniel and the fact that he doesn't change, and we're going to read that out of the Daniel 6 passage here, and look at the example, you'll see how God uses this even when a trap is set. So let's look. Stay right there in Ephesians 6. We'll get to it. But let me read to you uh, from Daniel. Uh, I'll I'll start um, up in verse 10. When Daniel knew the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Sounds like Daniel was intimidated and he saw the trap coming and he altered his pattern. No, it doesn't. Not only did he not alter it, he was open about it. He was unshaken about it. He had what we term godly courage. Folks, it's one thing to say we have godly courage when we're given the freedom to exercise that godly courage. But will we change the truth? Will the churches in the United States change the truth of Scripture when it may cost them? There are pastors around the world that are in prison or have been martyred. There are believers around the world that have been martyred that had the opportunity to change the truth. And they didn't. They went to their chambers. They opened the windows so it could be seen. And they kneeled three times a day. That is godly courage. How do you do that? Well, I think Ephesians 6 gives us the understanding of this. And my friends, this is how you walk with lions. This is it. You ready? This is how Daniel was able to go, knowing that the document had been signed. This is how you do it. 
Verse 10, Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Does it sound like Paul's talking about traps that are being set? Absolutely. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to what? To stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." Walk with lions, you have to stand. Paul says, I'm a prisoner, I'm in chains, and yet I'm surviving. I'm not just surviving, I'm thriving. They want to put me down, they want to destroy me, but they can't do it. I'm able to stand in the midst of the persecution. And he says, pray for me. How do you walk with lions? You stand in truth. You stand in righteousness. You stand in faith. You stand in prayer. You stand in the uh, preparation of the Gospel with the readiness of your feet. What does it mean to stand? It is tremendous. It is like nothing you could imagine. Unless you've walked with lions. I look out. And I know some of you have walked with lions. I've walked with lions for four months now. And I will tell you. That the words Paul shared. Are the truest words I know. And that I can pass on to you. And I am better. And I am rejoicing. And I am thrilled. And I am invigorated. And I am lifted up. And I am not just a survivor. I am thriving in my faith. And there is nothing that the enemy can do to trap me on a daily basis. That's what it means to walk with lions. Is it because of my integrity? I have no idea. I'll let the Lord work that out. But there's such a thing called godly courage. And Daniel had it. And those that walk with lions understand this. They learn it. And they don't shy away from it. And when the trap is set, God does the work. Amen? God does the work. And you are able to stand. You are able to stand. Daniel knowingly kneels with his window open. 
Are we prepared to do that? I hope so. And how do you get to that point? You get to that point through little incremental steps. You don't just jump into the lion's den. There are moment by moment times with the Lord that start to show you and start to increase your faith and add to that breastplate of righteousness, that helmet of salvation, that shield of faith. It becomes harder. It becomes stronger. What does a a blacksmith do with a sword? He puts it under heat and he hits it. And he hits it. It defies my understanding of how to make something strong. You know, you hit something, you make it weak. That's not what happens here with, with metal. You hit it and you forge it and you hit it and you heat it and you hit it. And it becomes stronger and stronger. And this is a beautiful picture of what it means to stand in the truth, my friends. You don't just jump one day into a lion's den. God takes you there in incremental steps. Daniel knowingly keeps his window open while he prays. Even though the trap is set. Godly courage leads to godly character and leads to godly choices. Write it down. This one's important, folks. Godly courage leads to godly character, leads to godly choices. You know what's fascinating? Let me read you the the rest of the story. Because Daniel was known for these great statements of faith, right? He would come in with this prophetic word to Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar, and he was God's spokesperson, right? I mean, that's, that was his function. That was his form. And by the way, I'll just share with you, here it is. Here's the, the spoiler alert. I don't believe this was about Daniel. We've been doing the little flannel graph. Look, here's Daniel. Here's the lion. You know, we all grew up with that, right? I think this story is completely evangelistic. I think this is one of the most outreach-oriented stories in the entire Bible. I think the book of Daniel is completely evangelistic in nature. Let me prove my point. What happened? So the satraps show up and they say, Hey, king. Did you sign this injunction? By the way, Daniel prayed. uh, And so, you know, you have to follow the law because you signed it. And you don't want to look weak. So how does the king respond? Verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Isn't it amazing that Daniel has already made a friend of the new king from Persia? Because of his integrity, because of his life, because of his walk, because of what God had instilled in him, his godly courage to speak when asked upon, his godly character and his godly choices has already, he has not warned Darius that we see, he has not gone on some political rant about them serving their gods, he has just been who God wants him to be. And now, he's going to be thrown into the pit, Darius realizes the trap and it says, he's like, ah, who cares? One more guy just down. We need to feed the lions anyway, right? This king who comes from the next mighty nation is distressed. And he is searching for a way to deliver. So folks, rather than get caught up in arguments and tons of apologetics level, I'm, I'm all about apologetics, that's fine. But I don't know how many people 
we have shared the love of Christ with and we have seen the love of Christ come into their lives and hearts because we argued them into it. So if we're going to engage with the trap that's being set out there, I think we borrow from Daniel's book, amen? And we live the life of integrity that makes a king turn and look and say, that guy has it. And when the destruction is coming upon him, or the destruction is coming upon the church now, there will be those who do not yet believe that they will stand up in one voice and say, enough! Because that's what this king does. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? The king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night, what? Fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Now, if I were writing, if I were a Hollywood writer, I don't know that I would write it this way. You know, I would have written down the whole thing about where Daniel says some great, stoic, heroic speech on his way down that trail into that den. My God will... Because that's exactly how Daniel spoke, right? My God. We see nothing. We hear nothing from Daniel. Who's speaking? Who's the one crying out to the Lord? The king. Is this not evangelistic? Because of Daniel's integrity, you have a new king from Persia, the one put in charge of all things. And the Jews are wondering, is he going to persecute us? Is it, you know, what's going to happen? And the king calls out. He doesn't just call out to Daniel's God. He fasts. He chooses not to sleep the entire night. So what happens? Well, let's look. Because of godly courage, godly courage leads to what? Godly character. And that leads to godly choices. You know, you might be thinking I'm talking about Daniel here. Daniel's the first one. Daniel's the godly courage. But because of Daniel's godly courage, it led to godly character, fasting, yearning, calling out to God. And that led to godly choices by the king of all people. And it says this, then at the day of, um, verse 19, then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the what? Living God. Has your God whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever! My God sent His angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found what? Blameless. Innocent. Let's look at that real quickly. Number one, lion taming. We're lion taming here, folks. Alright? No whips. No chairs. No, you know, whatever that guy was saying. Right? God's doing the lion taming. Peace mixed with fear mixed with trembling. Well, where do I get this from? I get it from here. You're going to hear it in a moment out of the king's mouth. Number one, peace reflects Daniel. Would that be you and I in the midst of a trap? Would that be you and I in the midst of 
a trap set to destroy us. Again, remember, Daniel says nothing all the way down. We have nothing recorded. Daniel, knowing that the law was written, continued in his resolve to practice godly character. Daniel was at peace with his God providing for him. What did we hear from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were supposed to be thrown into the fire? Were they silent? No, and that wasn't to their fault. Just different circumstances. But they said, you know what? If this is what God has for us, you know, God will deliver us. But even if He doesn't, we will not turn to your God. Daniel just goes in peace. And it speaks volumes to a king who needs to be introduced to God. And so how does that king reflect? With fear and trembling. He says this, May your God whom you serve continually deliver you. Folks, this is where we need to get in our culture. That the integrity of our lives, just like Daniel, speaks so strongly from our godly courage and godly character that it leads to godly choices by the very people who need to know God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a mind blower? Could you imagine our government? Could you imagine your neighbor? Could you imagine your boss? And I know that we talk about lifestyle evangelism, that, that it's a little bit difficult, it's a little bit hard. Sometimes we have to actually share the gospel. We have to put you know, words to the feet as well. You've got to do both. You've got to do both. May your God, who you serve, continually deliver you. It's an uncommon prayer. It's an uncommon prayer prompted by phobic pretense. Well, that sounds pretty fancy. All that means is that you would never expect a Persian king to fast and pray all night long for a Jewish captive. There was something beautiful and unique about Daniel, and it was God. It was God working through Daniel, just like you. You want to change a nation? You want to see the nation enter into an uncommon prayer? Because of what? Because of fear. Because of fear. Traps often backfire. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Daniel's silent. The king is in turmoil. Daniel walks with the lions because of God's protection. Let's look at that. Verses 21 through 22. Daniel gives an explanation of how did this happen. He says, My God sent His angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I, have, I was found, what? Blameless before Him. And also before you, O King, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because, what? He had trusted in his God. You know, in evangelical churches in America, we, we like to talk about that. We like to say, yeah, we trust in God. We've got Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 up on, our, up on our wall or on our Bible somewhere or, you know. But the question is, when there's been a law written that under penalty of death, do you pray? Under penalty of death, do you worship? Where will you be? Will you, as it says here, in retrospect for Daniel, 
that this happened because Daniel trusted his God. This all happened for a reason. So trust, peace, blameless, these are the qualities of a lion tamer. And by the way, he mentions the fact that it was an angel that was sent by God. You know, a lot of time in in evangelical churches, we always talk about the Holy Spirit doing all that supernatural work. I just want to share with you, angels are still active, okay? They're still employed. And, And we need not fear talking about that. I think a big reason that we do sometimes shy away there is that there have been quite a few religions founded because an individual says, hey, an angel told me... And they come up with a whole new religion. And so we get a little shy about, let's not talk about angels. Who can verify that and who knows? Folks, it's in the scripture. God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. I believe God has angels watching over these three precious babies. And all you precious babies. God's working with his angels to make his work happen. So what was that work in this story? Let's, let's get to it. Last point, lion taming. Lions still need to eat. This is not the pleasant part of the story. But remember in those times where you're feeling persecuted, where you're feeling beaten down, where you may be saying, God, how long will this happen? Remember the throne room, Revelation 14 that the souls that have already been taken to heaven are crying out, saying, how much longer must your kingdom suffer? You know, the story of Daniel is a vindication over evil. And you'll see that coming up in the consequential chapters. We can learn from that about what's going to happen in the end times for us as well. Christ wins. Christ wins. Justice is served. How is it served? And the king, verse 24, And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. We learned this last week, that God has a hand of justice as well. And if you study the end times, it's not going to be a pretty picture. So have compassion. When it is your enemy, understand that they're hearing, they're responding, they are captive to sin. And pray for them. Because not even God desires this to happen, but in a sense of justice, and responding for His people, these things will happen. These things will happen. So understand, if you've got somebody that's persecuting you, There may be a reason, just like this King Darius. Because that's the issue that's going on here. Darius decrees that all people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. You heard me talk about that, peace and trembling and fear, right? Seems like we have someone who's met God. You know, you thought the story of Daniel in the lion's den was all about Daniel and faith. And yes, that's part of it. But when you look at the bigger picture, when you back away from just the butterfly in the picture and you get there and all of a sudden you see it's actually a Monet, you see what's really going on here. God is going to show Darius, the new king on the block, who's in charge. And what happens? Through some very difficult challenges and through God's faithful servant, Daniel, 
This is what he says, verse 26. I make a decree that in my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For He is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Now think if our governor or other governors around the the United States or the Senate or the Congress or school districts or school boards or even in our own homes, somebody were to stand and say this. You want to talk about uncommon. Folks, it happened. It happened. And the very testimony of the one who knew not the God of Daniel God went to great lengths to demonstrate His power, His ability, and it all started through godly character, godly courage, and godly choices. What do we do with that? Well, godly courage can do three things, and this is what you walk away with today. Number one, it can lead you to walk with lions. It can lead you or let you walk with the lions. So what is it that's seeking to destroy you? What's that inevitable thing? And how can God carry you through that? And can He carry you through it? I hope you glean that from the message today. Folks, the reality is this, is that if we look around the world, we see martyrs for Christ, that they are dying horrific deaths. So if I were sitting where you're sitting, I'd be saying, well, hang on a second. What about these guys? They weren't delivered. I think ultimately they were delivered. And I think every one of them would agree that they were delivered. That's why you see a passive person, a peaceful person. That's unnerving to me. Right? The 21, it was the 21 that were murdered, right? By ISIS. And I'm looking, I'm saying, why do they just sit there, kneel and just so passive and their heads down. I would want to run. I would, like, I would want to fight. I would want to do all... There's something about the peace of God that speaks to us from them. That they knew they were about to be delivered. And Daniel was ready to be delivered whether it was to heaven or whether it was by the closing of the lion's mouths. God will deliver His faithful. He'll let you walk with the lion's Number two, godly courage can what? Can help you demonstrate your resolve. Remember we said Daniel didn't just jump in the lion's den. It was predicated off of years of faithfulness. Years of faithfulness. Where are you? Are you faithful in the Word? Are you faithful in prayer? Are you about that? Because if you are, it's going to show. It's going to show to that king that's around you somewhere. It's going to make a statement. And there will be moments where they face things with fear and trembling. And they'll come to you. And they'll ask you about, where's that courage come from? How do you have that courage? How do you have that peace? Because for me, I have fear and trembling. And that will speak louder than any debate. Lastly, it can inspire and change a nation. People will follow where there's courage. Amen? People will follow where there's courage. And match that courage with the strong resolve of a faithful answer and truth. And people will get on board and their lives will be changed. Daniel in the lion's den. 
is a story about passive kitties? No. It's a story of God going through unique circumstances through His man to bring a king to understand the power of the living God. The testimony of that very king. Uncommon? Oh, as they say in Wisconsin, you betcha. Impossible? Just keep reading the book of Daniel 6. Or the chapter Daniel 6. Get your godly courage by standing in righteousness, truth, faith, salvation. And let that build within you godly character that then leads to godly choices of those around you. And that, my friends, is how the world changes. Because they're inspired. Amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer and dismiss you so you can go to your fancy buffets and spas and men. I'll be praying for you all day long. You're responsible for children so mothers can sleep and get naps and be pampered. All right, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this story. Let it encourage us about our role. What is it that we're to hear in this story? Are we the pride of the pride? How are we surviving the traps that are being set? How can we be lion tamers? And what's truly going on here that could inspire and change an entire culture without any blood being shed? Lord, let us be inspired by You and all that You are doing. Let us know that it is possible to walk with the lions when we have godly courage. To Your glory, Father. Amen.